Christian Heritage Ministry, in cooperation with Fuller Seminary, proudly presents the Old Fashioned Revival Hour, a broadcast of the Gospel with Dr. Charles E.
from sinking sand, he lifted me. With tender hand, he lifted me. From shades of night to plains of light. Oh, praise his name. He lifted me. Stand and sing Heavenly Sunshine out to the radio audience. A great crowd here today, nearly 4,000 people ready to sing to you. Come on and shake hands with as many as possible all together now. Heavenly Sunshine. Turn right around and shake hands with everyone.
and it's gold. And you have to get along with eager fair. Just remember in his word how he feeds the little bird. Take your burden to the Lord and leave it Fathers, we look again into thy word. May the searchlight of that word search out hearts that are now in darkness, and may the word penetrate and bring light unto salvation to every darkened heart now listening in. And may the Holy Spirit convict and convince and bring many to the foot of the cross and there experience the cleansing power of the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. For we ask it in his name. Amen. Mighty happy to have good help on the broadcast of the old-fashioned revival hour. Now it's my great privilege to introduce a helpmate. Honey, go right ahead with the letters. Well, greetings, friends. Have some good letters for you. One from Montana. Dear Mr. Fuller and Honey, we've had so much snow and cold weather this winter. We have taken an orphan boy, 11 years old, into our home, and we think a lot of him. He likes your sermons, too, and also attends Sunday school. A home isn't complete without children. I am so thankful to have the radio, for when the storms are raging so wild, we are cozy in our log cabin, and our radio brings your hour to us clearly. I'm just a small rancheress. May we have your broadcast for many years to come. And then a little lady in Illinois writes and says that she is a shut-in, and a friend came by on her way home from church one evening, said that the evangelist, who had been there just for one night, was a fine speaker, 
And his testimony was that he'd had a very wicked past and had been very sinful, but he had been converted listening to the old-fashioned revival hour, and she thought that we would like to hear this, which we do. Here is a good letter from an Episcopal clergyman in England, London. Dear Dr. Fuller, your old-fashioned revival hour reminds me of my early youth, when we had such happy times singing the old hymns and choruses, and when the old, old story was faithfully preached. God blessed us then, as he's blessing you now, with wonderful conversions. Your message in song and speech is a great refreshment to my wife and me. Our churches need reviving by the Spirit of God. I deeply wish that all could hear you. My wife and I are wholly dedicated to God and are ready to make any sacrifice to reach others for Christ. I find that I have omitted one that I intended to read. I'll read it rapidly as possible from England, a rather an unusual letter to Dr. Fuller. As one who was vastly impressed with the old-fashioned revival hour on hearing it for the first time, I feel I must write and tell you with what enthusiasm I now wait for your broadcast. It was with reluctance that I allowed myself to be persuaded to listen for a few moments at the house of good friends, for never before has religion attracted me. However, within a brief space of time, I was carried away with the fervor of the service and the vividity of the truth which you expounded with such force and sincerity. We were soon joining with gusto in the hymns, and it was a good thought that our little congregation in this drawing room in Chelsea was as one with your group in Long Beach so far away and yet united in common spirit. It was indeed a radiant trio that knelt before the radio at the end of that happy hour. And may I ask your prayers for us and the friends who persuaded me, in spite of my cynical attitude, to listen to you. Well, now, isn't that a good letter? I rather think that these radio friends, and I believe I can call them friends now, are High Church of England. And though our program is in spots may be a bit brilliant in tempo, Purposely, for we want to draw and interest all types of people, yet this, these discerning friends sense the true worshipful spirit of the old-fashioned revival hour. And that is all for today, friends.
stand, please, and sing two verses, first and second of number 123, Faith of Our Fathers Living Still. God's Word tells us to contend earnestly for the faith once delivered unto the saints. And in these dark days of apostasy, many falling away and departing from the truth, may we stand true to his enduring word and keep it until Jesus comes. Let's sing it out heartily. of you that are on praying ground, agree together with us as we pray. Our Heavenly Father, today we do thank thee for thy great trustworthiness. And Father, we're thankful that there is not a situation or a predicament in life in which thou canst not be trusted. O Father, today we pray especially for the young Christians, those who have just been recently converted, who are perhaps going through severe difficulties and trials. O Lord, we pray that they may learn the great secret of trusting in Thee. And for the older Christians as well, O Lord, that may be going through more difficult temptations than they've ever known before, we pray that they may find Thee trustworthy even in the present predicaments. And Father, for those outside of Christ who are burdened down with the load of sin, we pray that they may come to trust in Jesus Christ, Thy Son, who didst die for their sins and rise again and thus come to know the forgiveness of sins today. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Right. 
precious, precious name of Jesus. Jesus is the sweetest name I know, and he's just the same as his lovely Listening to the Old Fashioned Revival Hour with Dr. Charles E. Fuller. His message today is titled, The Whole Armor of God. Open your Bibles to the book of Ephesians, chapter 6, as we rejoin the broadcast. I'll provide additional information after Dr. Fuller's message. Our God, the world may open me. 
Bible's open again at the 6th chapter of Ephesians, 
Verses 11 and 12, put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in heavenly places. How we need to know something of the wiles of the devil and not be ignorant of his devices. In this short series of messages on Satan, we plan to consider Satan, his personage, his position, his power, his purpose, and his plan. And in our last broadcast, we learned from the word of God that Satan, the old serpent called the devil, is a real person that every reference to him speaks forth something of his devilish character. He is termed a deceiver, a liar, a murderer, an accuser, a tempter, a destroyer, the evil one, and the lawless one. Today, however, we want to study very briefly together and meditate together upon Satan, his position. Where is Satan now? And briefly, by the way of introduction, I'd like to state to you that he has a threefold position. That Satan, first of all, a spiritual being, is not visible to the natural eye, and every believer should know where this spiritual arch enemy, where his sphere of activity is. And according to God's word, he is portrayed as working in three different spheres. And I'd like to give this to you, especially to the young converts, that the eyes of your understanding may be enlightened, that ye may know what is the hope of his calling and the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and not be entrapped or led into snares by the wiles of the devil. Now notice, even though Satan is an avowed enemy of God, yet he has access, first of all, before the throne of God. I'm not even attempting to explain why or to give any reasons for this, but simply state the fact, for truly we do see through a glass darkly and someday the great problem of evil, why God permits this, will be made plain to us. In the second chapter of Job, back in the Old Testament, in reference to that patriarch of patience, Job, we find some very interesting statements. I haven't time to go into it in much detail, but you know, Job was a perfect man, highly thought of a prince in the east and a man of great wealth. And the day came when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord. Now note the wording. And Satan came also among them to present himself before the Lord. Strange, isn't it, that Satan, the avowed arch enemy of God, can stand before the throne of God. Take God at his word. And then the Lord said unto Satan, From whence comest thou? And Satan answered the Lord, said, From going to and fro on the earth and from walking up and down in it. 
And the Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job? And after a little more conversation, Satan answered the Lord, and he said, You just let me get my hand on Satan, or on Job, rather. Let me get my hand on him, and I'll show you something. Let me just strip him of his possession, and he'll curse thee to thy face. And God permitted Job to be put through the crucible of testing, the fiery furnace seven times hot. So went Satan forth from the presence of the Lord and smote Job with sore boils from the sole of his foot unto his crown. Why God permits evil, I don't know. I will know some day when I meet the Lord face to face. And then in Revelation, the twelfth chapter, verse 10, we find these words, For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. And the time is coming, for Revelation is a prophetic book, when Satan, the accuser of the brethren before God day and night, will be cast down to this very earth. And when he comes here, in his personal presence, then there will be great tribulation such as the world has never seen. And why God permits this arch enemy to come before his throne, or why God permits this adversary to continually accuse the brethren day and night is difficult for us finite beings to understand or to comprehend. Now notice, in the second place, in the second chapter of Ephesians, Satan is referred to as the prince of the power of the air, or a sphere spoken of as the heavenly. Now in the New Testament, speaking of a certain experience which Paul the Apostle experienced, we read in 2 Corinthians 12, 2 as follows. He was caught up to the third Heaven. Later in verse 4 of that same chapter, he refers to this third heaven as paradise or heaven itself. So we may conclude, and I believe rightly so, as follows. First of all, there is the atmospheric heaven above us, then the heavenlies, the second heaven, and then heaven itself, the third heaven. God is very specific in speaking that Paul was caught up to the third heaven, to paradise itself. Now Satan, the prince of the power of the air, uh, does his diabolical work mostly in the sphere of the heavenly, or shall we say, in the second heaven. And in this second sphere of activity, Satan, the prince of the power of the air. Note, please, the wording. The prince of the power of the air. He is not called or designated as king. Christ is king of kings and lord of lords. And Satan has delegated powers under the permissive and directive will of God. Hence, he's called the prince not the king, and he's a powerful being. And as prince, he is ruler over four divisions 
of angels, evil spirits, and it's very enlightening. Now notice in the sixth chapter of Ephesians, verse 12, first of all, he ruler over principalities, that is, well-organized forces of evil on a governmental basis. And accordance to this, we read in 2 Corinthians 4.4 that Satan is the god of this age, this present world system, evil world system. Satan is the head, the prince, the god of this age, the mastermind behind the present world system of government dominated Governments dominated by lust for power, by greed, by ambition, by intrigue, by hatred, by lies, by aggression, and by brutality. Satan was the originator of the awful death camps such as Buchenwald of World War II, and he is the instigator of all the diabolical brutality of the present godlessness sweeping over the land today. Wake up! Satan, the prince of the power of the air, the god of this age, rules over the principalities under a governmental basis. And then it's spoken of as against powers. Satan is the prince over powers or delegated powers that he gives, or authorities in power in Satan's kingdom. Third, we notice according to the twelfth verse of the sixth chapter, against the rulers of the darkness of this world. The world rulers of darkness of this world. Listen, Satan is the prince over world rulers. Spiritual powers now ruling the world and working everywhere. And note, please, that it's referred to as the rulers of the darkness of this world. Jesus, the light of the world, is absent now at the right hand of the Father. And this old world, say what you will, is in great spiritual darkness. And Satan is a ruler over this world of darkness. And in spite of all of our so-called scientific advancement and intellectual and learning and centers of wisdom, I tell you on the authority of God's Word, spiritually before God, it's nighttime. The night is far spent. All creation is groaning, travailing in pain awaiting the glorious appearing of Jesus, the light of the world, who will come someday and soon in my humble judgment with healing beams of light. That's what it means in Malachi. He's coming with healing beams of light and speak peace to all the sin-laden and sin-cursed creation that is now groaning awaiting the redemption of the redeemed. Hallelujah. Jesus came incarnate 1,900 years ago to give knowledge of salvation unto His people by the remission of sins.
through the tender mercies of God, whereby the day spring from on high hath visited us to give light to them that sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. He did that by going to Calvary's cross, God causing to strike on him your sin and my sin. And he bore our sins in his own body on the tree and shed his precious blood that we might be reconciled to God through him and brought nigh by the precious blood. And in this connection, Paul speaking before Agrippa, speaking of his divine commission to preach the gospel, he said, I was called upon to preach the gospel for what purpose? To open their eyes to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in Christ. Oh, beloved, listen. This world all about us, Satan is the prince, the God over the rulers of darkness. Not only that, but Satan is a prince over a vast host of spiritual things of wickedness in heavenly places. How enlightening. He's a prince over vast hordes, bands, forces of spiritual depravity, iniquity, and wickedness, and moral evil. Listen, as it was in the days of Noah... So shall it also be in the days of the Son of Man. And you read the sixth chapter of Genesis, and you'll find what a wicked world it was. Every imagination and thought of the heart evil continually before God. As it was in the days of Lot, licentiousness and immorality and free love abounding, so it shall also be in the days of the Son of Man. And, beloved, as I stand behind this microphone, sending the message out to the nations across the earth, I say to you on the authority of God's Word, we are now on the threshold, the very days prior to the days of Noah and the days of Lot, which herald the second coming of Christ. Wake up! As it was in the days of Noah and Lot, so shall it also be in the days of the Son of Man. No wonder that in the last days perilous times shall come. Men shall be self-centered, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection. My blood boils as I pick up the daily papers and see the outbreaking of unnatural affection. Beloved, this thing is real. Now, Satan is referred to in the second chapter of Ephesians as the prince of the power of the air. The prince, listen carefully now, you may not like this. He's referred to as the prince over all the children of disobedience, over all unsaved here upon earth. Bear in mind, Satan can and does appear before God's throne, the accuser day and night. He is the prince or the ruler over principalities, 
powers and world rulers of darkness and spiritual hosts of wickedness. But listen, he is the present, right while I'm speaking, ruler over all sinful humanity. Hence, the necessity of a new birth. Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Until you who are outside of Christ, dead in trespasses and sin, you are now energized, directed by Satan, the prince of the power of the air, the ruler over the kingdom of darkness in the heavenly. Energized, driven, as those who are born again are indwelt by the Holy Spirit, empowered to be witnesses, as the redeemed yield to the Holy Spirit and walk pleasing in God's sight, so the unsaved are indwelt by none other than the Spirit from Satan, driving them to continual acts of disobedience, bringing forth daily the works of the flesh, as outlined in Galatians 5. Hence, the great need of the new birth, if you die in your sins, you cannot go where Jesus is. And except a man repent and believe the gospel, he shall perish. But Jesus said, I am come that ye might have life and have it more abundantly. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And I close the broadcast of the old-fashioned revival hour and plead with you to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ now and be translated by God's power from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God's dear Son. By grace, through faith, not of works, lest any man could boast. Lesson. Are you saved? Are you absolutely sure that you have the hope and the assurance of going to heaven if God should take your soul and spirit from your earthly tabernacle today. If you're not sure, why not make it sure now? For God says, I'm not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Whosoever will may come, and whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Let's bow our heads in prayer. No one stirring. God speaking to you, unsaved friend of mine outside of Christ. He's saying, Son, give me thine heart. I'm willing to wash it in the precious blood of Christ and loose you from your sin. You become a new creation. You'll be a member of my family. And wherever you may be by the radio, Look up into the Father's face and say, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Save me for Christ's sake. And while our heads are bowed in this splendid visible audience here today in Long Beach, how many will quickly put their hands up, say by the uplifted hand, pray for me. I want to accept Christ as my personal Savior today. I'd like to have you pray for me. Will you put your hand up any place in this audience? God bless you. Is there another one here on the lower floor of the auditorium? Put his or her hand up and say, pray for me. I, God bless you, sailor boy. Is there another one here? God's not willing that any should carry. Come now, let us reason together. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow.
Continue in prayer as we leave the air. This is Charles E. Fuller bidding you goodbye. Thank you.